Hey, tonight, before I introduce our guests, I want to read a scripture for you. When I, when I look at evangelism and think of evangelism, uh, this is something that pops into my mind and always comes to mind in 1 Peter chapter 1. And this is what he says, as to this salvation, we're talking about the salvation and the, the gospel that we have experienced if we're believers in Christ and the, the gospel that we have the opportunity to share. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, they made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When I read that verse, here's, here's what I see. The Old Testament prophets, David, Samuel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, all these heroes of the Old Testament, they were desperately looking and trying to understand the salvation that was to come. And, you know, the, God would speak to them. And in Isaiah, you have great glimpses of, of salvation has come. And he, and he saw Jesus, our pastor says all the time, Isaiah saw Jesus more than anybody in the Old Testament. And, he, and you, you look at all these references, but they didn't understand what it truly meant. And, and imagine if you, you had a, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand piece puzzle and somebody hands you five or six pieces and you're looking at it. You don't know if those two go together. You don't have the picture on the front. You just have these puzzle pieces. And that's what the Old Testament prophets had. They had these little glimpses and, and images and ideas of things to come. And they were desperately trying to put them together and trying to understand. And at the end of their life, they realized that this wasn't for them. This was for somebody else. And they would pass on their writings of what God had told them. And now on the other side of Calvary, we, we see the full picture. We see the box and we see the picture on the, on the puzzle box. And now we're able to look at it and we are able to look at things and understand things that Isaiah and David and Samuel and, and all those guys long to see. And the Bible says that even today, the angels in heaven long to look at the salvation that we get to experience. And so as we talk tonight about sharing Jesus and the, the discipline of evangelism and how we are to, to take that and take that seriously, I want us to acknowledge and to realize that we have an extreme honor in getting to not only participate in the gospel, but share it with others as well. And so we have two guests with us tonight I want to introduce. First, you guys know Brother Steve, our pastor. Uh, there are very few people that I know that have a heart for evangelism as Brother Steve does. And I've traveled with him. I have, I have seen him sharing the gospel in everyday opportunities. Uh, and it's really encouraging. So I'm really excited for you to hear from him tonight in terms of how he shares the gospel and what it means and, and some of his insights. And really what we really want to get into tonight are some of the practical tips and tricks on, on what does it actually mean day to day to share the gospel. The second guy I want to introduce is with us via Zoom. And so we'll, we'll get him here on the screens. This is Dr. Matt Queen. Dr. Matt Queen is a professor of evangelism at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. So Dr. Queen is by far uh, one of the greatest evangelists I've ever met. Uh, he is one of the most encouraging men I've ever met. And this is a man that loves Jesus and loves telling people about Jesus. And so I, I'm really excited for you, for you to hear from this man tonight. And from really both of these guys, these are two guys that you have a lot to learn from. I have a lot to learn from. So when I had the opportunity to, to lead tonight, I, I asked myself, I was like, what, what could I possibly give uh, on this topic when I know these two guys? And so I wanted to bring them and let you get to experience 
um, some of their insight, some of their wisdom, and some of the, the things that they have gotten to experience when it comes to sharing the gospel. So if you will, welcome Dr. Steve Gaines and Dr. Matt Queen. All right, thank you so much for being here. And, and Dr. Queen, thank you for your time. I know you're, you're very busy. And Dr. Queen is actually this year on sabbatical uh, at Southwestern, and I believe writing two books on evangelism, if I'm not mistaken there right now, over this Three. year. Three books. Three books on evangelism over this year. Uh, and so that is, he is very sought after uh, resource when it comes to evangelism. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask some questions and I'm going to get out of the way and, and, and ask Dr. Queen and and Dr. Gaines, Pastor, I'm going to keep calling you Dr. Gaines because that's what he calls you. And, and once I get in a conversation <laughs> with him, it, it messes me up. So I'm sorry. So I'll, I'll get, I'm going to get out of the way and ask some, some questions. So to either one of you and really both of you, how do you define evangelism? When I say evangelism and sharing Jesus, what does that actually mean? Go ahead. Okay. Well, um, my definition is, is a little bit involved, but just, uh, just to kind of give it to you in a nutshell, I believe evangelism is that spirit-empowered activity whereby disciples of Jesus Christ give an intentional and verbal witness to his life, death, burial, resurrection, exhorting unbelievers to become baptized, obedient disciples by repenting of their sins, believing in Jesus, and calling on the name of the Lord. Uh, so just in a nutshell, um, evangelism is a spirit-empowered activity. If you and I do evangelism in our own power, we try to muster up enough courage on our own. We try to find the words that we want to say. We will get our own results. But if we depend on the spirit, uh, you know, uh, we, we can see that the Lord will give us courage and boldness in the words. And uh, basically, we are sharing verbally and intentionally. Evangelism doesn't happen on accident. It'll never happen on accident. You have to either plan ahead or plan in the moment. And uh, we're sharing about Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and calling people to repent, believe, and confess. Great answer. You know, a lot of times uh, when we think about evangelism, uh, it, it's, it's hard to realize that it's as simple as it is, quite honestly. It's simply, like you said, the spirit empowerment within us of telling what Jesus has done in our lives. Do you have anything you'd add to that? I just say that uh, it's verbally sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. with lost people for the purpose of winning them to faith in Christ. And that includes yep. what uh, Matt just said, uh, trying to encourage them to repent. You've heard us talk about that a lot at Bellevue. Whenever we give a gospel invitation, and I think at the end I'm going to do that right, uh, we talk about repentance and what it means to turn from your sin and to turn to God. But not only repentance, but believing, as Matt said a while ago, about the fact that Jesus uh, literally died on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You have to believe that, that he died on the cross for your sins, to pay the penalty for your sin, and that he rose bodily from the grave. Uh, if you don't share the death of Christ, the, the atoning death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ, you have not shared the gospel. But then, not only that they believe in that, but then they receive Christ, that there's a moment in time where you invite the Lord, you call upon his name, as the Bible says in Joel chapter 2 and in Romans chapter 10, you call upon the name of the Lord, and that's when you're saved. So I believe that's what evangelism is, uh, trying to get people to do that. And you share Jesus with them in order for them to be saved. And so uh, for a lot of people in this room, especially people who have grown up in church and have been around church for a long time, 
I doubt you just heard anything that surprises you, quite honestly. You know, I, I know that the, the Bible calls me to share the gospel, um, but being very frank and honest, I don't do it near as much as I should. Uh, and I don't do it even every opportunity that I have. There are many opportunities. We talked even a couple weeks ago about there are times uh, in my life where I've very clearly heard the, the Lord say, hey, share the gospel with this person but I've chosen not to do it for whatever reason. You know, we are masters of excuses when it comes to evangelism. We are so good at finding reasons why this isn't the right moment. And so uh, Dr. Queen and, and Pastor, um, as we look at evangelism and that call, you know, I've heard you both talk about it talks, it starts with prayer. You know, it starts with a prayer for the lost person and really a prayer for yourself to have the courage to do it. So I'd, I'd love to hear from the two of you, how do you pray for lost people? What does that look like in your life? And, uh, and what, are, what are things that you have found that have helped you evangelize through prayer? Well, uh, the way we do, I do, uh, I do it personally and uh, corporately in terms of uh, my family and my church. So uh, personally, uh, I, I have different people that I pray for, for their salvation, pay, pray for them by name. And so I'll pray for them on different days of the week in my quiet time. First thing I do whenever I wake up in the morning. Uh, so I, I pray not only that God would prepare their heart to receive the gospel, but that the Lord would uh, help me be able to have an opportunity to share it with them. Also um, have my uh, church pray. We on Wednesday nights, uh, our prayer time, uh, we've got a list of, of people that everybody's praying for. And I've got my request with my name beside it. So we pray corporately. And then the last way is in my family and our family devotions every night. Uh, on Monday, we pray for lost people I'm trying to reach. On Tuesday, my wife's. On Wednesday, my oldest daughter. On Thursday, my uh, uh, youngest daughter. And then on uh, a Thursday, a Friday, we pray for family members that are lost. And then uh, on the weekends, we pray for uh, people that have asked us to pray for lost people. So we, tr- we, we want to make sure that our daughters, when they leave our household, that they know what it's like to, to have a burden for the laws. So that's the way we do it. Yeah, what I do is uh, I pray for people that are lost every day, just like Matt. And I pray, one of the biggest things I pray for is for them to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John that he will convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so I kind of dovetail that with that uh, verse over in uh, Romans 10, 13. And when I pray for a lost person, like I prayed for my brother for a long time, and I would pray, Lord, I pray for Ed. You know, he went to be with the Lord back in April because he did receive Christ. But I prayed and I said, Lord, you know, I pray that you will convict him of sin and righteousness and judgment and that he will call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Now, those are two verses I just dovetail together. I also pray what Peter said in Acts chapter 3 for lost people. Lord, they will repent and return that their sins may be washed away. The times or seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord into their lives. So what I just shared with you was a direct quote out of, uh, I believe it's Acts chapter 3 verse 19. So I pray scripture for them. So what I hear from both of you guys is that you have a system, you have methods. Yeah. It's, you're not leaving it up to chance. You're not just leaving it for when you remember no, I, it. I've got, I've got on my iPad, I don't have it with me, but I've got a list of lost people that I pray for every day. And, uh, I, and I pray those verses over them. Yeah, you know, if you were here... I, have it on, yeah. I was just saying, and I use Evernote the same way, and I, I try to update the list so I know how to pray, so... 
Yeah, if you were here a few weeks ago when Drew talked about prayer and journaling, uh, you know, that, that's a, a great thing to even include in that daily prayer time of that, in that daily journaling is writing out those names and having those names in a spot where you'll see them, where it's not just like we said, we're not just leaving it up for, for our memories to remember this person, remember that moment, but actually having a system and consistently praying for those people in a way that trusting that the Lord will convict them of sin of righteousness and judgment if we ask him to do so. The older you get, the less you'll depend on your memory. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. So, so for me, you know, I, I heard, uh, it might've been you. I heard somebody say one time that people are more willing to hear the gospel than we often are willing to share it. Um, and, and that's mm-hmm. a convicting thought that there are people out there who are ready. You know, Jesus talked about the, the fields being wide unto harvest. They're, they're ready to, to be harvested. And we need to pray for laborers to go out. And so often we neglect that call to be the laborers to go out into the harvest. And so for me, I, I know there, there are many excuses that I often give. Um, but Dr. Queen, I'll, I'll ask you this specifically. You know, one, one, and we'll talk more about some practical tips and tricks and uh, not tricks, but t- practical tips and, and some, uh, some of the hesitations that we have a little more in a, in a minute. But I would love to hear you, Dr. Queen, t- ask this question, answer this question. You know, how do we deal when we share the gospel, I think this is what stops most people. If they don't want to listen to us or they reject us or they, they're rude to us or whatever it is, if somebody doesn't want to hear the gospel, they don't accept it, they don't want to even hear it, how do you respond to that? Yeah, so I think that's a mindset that we have to have. Uh, we, we, we know that uh, in Ezekiel 3, Ezekiel 33, it's in Acts chapter 18. It's also in Acts chapter 20, Paul says it. Um, there, there's this understanding that we have an obligation of, as Christians to warn people of the judgment to come. And if we do so, and that person accepts Christ, God gets the glory for it all. Um, if we do it and they reject it, uh, you know, we, we're clean. Uh, that's what Paul said. He said, I'm innocent. You know, he shook out the garments in Acts 18. He said, I'm innocent uh, um, of your blood. But if we fail to do that, then, then there is some responsibility that we bear. So, I think, you know, if we understand that if we share the gospel, someone gets saved, God gets the glory. If we share it and someone rejects it, they're responsible. But if we don't ever share the gospel in Memphis or in Fort Worth, then we're responsible. And so if somebody doesn't agree with me, um, a lot of times what I do is I try to have a gospel track and I'll give it to them and say, hey, you may not be ready for this now, but you may in the future. Um, And I usually don't push the matter unless the Holy Spirit is prompting me. And sometimes he does. To, to move forward. Uh, again, it's not my responsibility to uh, force someone to accept the Lord. I only am just uh, sowing the seed. And whenever I sow the seed and the seed of the gospel touches soil, we'll see if it's wayside or rocky or thorny or good soil. So I just, I, I kind of leave it in that way, looking at more of the responsibility of me sharing than uh, how the other person responds. Although I do call for them and I do press people to do, to do that. He was referring to uh, one of the texts, Ezekiel. I would encourage you to jot this down. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. God says, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. Warn them from me. Uh, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you do not warn him or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked way, 
that he may live. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you have warned the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. Very interesting that that's what you have highlighted on this text, by the way. And uh, I, I agree with him wholeheartedly. It's not our job to get them saved. It's our, the win is, and please understand me, I love people, I love for them to pray to receive Christ, but that's not the win for the soul winner. The win is sharing the gospel. Amen. And you might, here's the deal. You might share the gospel and just be sowing some seed that has never, they've never had the seed. Or you might be sharing the gospel and they've already had that seed planted and you're just watering. Or you might be sharing the gospel when it's time for the harvest. So you never know. And, and I think that what uh, Brother Matt said is exactly right. It's, it's just our job to share the gospel. And that to me is the win. And I do believe that that's our responsibility. It's not our responsibility for them to be saved. We want to do everything that we can uh, to help them be saved. We want to be nice. We want to be kind. I, I don't know where we need to talk about that, but boy, that's something. I mean, if, if you're not polite to people, if you're not nice to people, if you're hateful at a restaurant or something, <laughs> and you're, you're really a hard person to wait on or something like that, or you've got a foul mouth or whatever, and then you try to witness, you can forget it. It's not going to happen. So I would just encourage you to be kind, to be Christ-like, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, to look for opportunities to share the gospel. So what, what I hear from both of them is it's not about us. Right. You know, it's about God calling us to talk to that person. But if we, if we share the gospel with somebody and, and they re- pray to receive Christ, that wasn't us. That wasn't you. You were simply a, a conduit that God chose to use in that moment to take the gospel to that person. And if we talk to the person and they reject it, they're not rejecting you. They're not rejecting exactly. us. Exactly. They're rejecting the gospel. That, and and that's probably, excuse me, that, don't you think, Brother Matt, don't you think that people are just afraid of being rejected? And I think that that's one of the reasons people, people don't share the gospel is because they, they don't want somebody to say no to them. But look at mm-hmm. me. If you saw somebody about to walk off into a, off of a cliff, wouldn't you say something, even if it offended them? All right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when you say, hey, you would talk to them, but you're more concerned about them and their safety than you are if being, them being upset with you. I'd a whole lot rather than be upset with me for a little bit and then get saved. Uh, and, and to me, I think, you know, they're not just about to walk off of a cliff. They're about to go to hell for eternity. So it's okay if they reject us a little bit. That's, that's fine. As long Amen. as we're not being ornery, you know, but let, let's be kind. But they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the gospel. Perfect. And, and Pastor Steve, if I can just add to that, I think we also have to understand the fact that by us sharing the gospel, we're not making people reject the gospel any more than they already have. Right. They've already rejected the gospel. Right. And so um, so when we, what we understand is any person we're sharing the gospel with has already done that. So our evangelizing, whether they accept it or not, whether they reject it or not, is not based on anything that we've done. They've already rejected the Lord. All right, that's great. Hey, what we're going to do is we're going to turn to the tables just for a few minutes, and I want you guys to answer this question. And this is a a vulnerable question to answer, but I I want you to think about it and answer it. What typically prevents you from sharing the gospel? 
you know, is it that fear of rejection? Is it, is it that you, maybe you don't feel equipped, maybe you don't know how, but what is it that when you feel the Lord telling you to share the gospel with somebody, what is it that typically prevents you from doing it? So go ahead and talk around the table. We'll be back in five or six minutes and we'll continue. All right, guys, we'll go ahead and come back around the, uh, from the conversation. We'll, we'll come back up here. I hope you guys uh, had the opportunity to, to really dive into that and really examine, you know, what are the hindrances in your life that you have when it comes to sharing the gospel? You know, acknowledging those things and, and really coming face to face with them is so important and uh, in, in really overcoming them. So, so I hope as we continue this conversation, I hope that you'll hear some things and take, take some notes and uh, really pray the Lord will plant some seeds in your own heart in terms of how you can practically share the gospel. So what we're going to do here, we talk kind of about the, the, the mandate, if you will, the call for us to share Jesus and to evangelize. I want us to spend this next little bit just talking about some practical tips for evangelism. You know, what, what is it? If, if we say, yes, I want to share the gospel, I want to do it. There are a lot of little, uh, little things that often trip us up. You know, how do we, how do we start? You know, when you're talking to somebody about the weather, you're, you're in an elevator with somebody and, and the Lord says, share the gospel. How do you even start? Um, and so that's, that's the question I'm going to start with. And I'll start with Dr. Queen. You know, what is some, some practical tips? How do you turn a everyday conversation into a gospel conversation? Thank you for that. I think getting to the gospel in our conversations is just as easy as talking about anything else we want to insert into our daily life. If it's politics, sports, world events, or even Whataburger coming to Memphis. I mean, you know, any of these things, we know how to begin. Nobody had to teach us how to begin conversations and discussions that interest us. And so sometimes I wonder if really starting gospel conversations is not so much a matter of how to as it is a matter of want to, uh, do we really want to talk about those things? Uh, but there's a couple of things, a uh, couple of conversation starters that I like. My go-to one is um, I like to go to someone and say, you know, has anybody taken the time today to tell you of God's great love for you? Now, I'll just tell you that the, the reality of that is, unfortunately, uh, nobody is doing that. So the answer to that question is usually no. And when I hear that, then I usually say, well, let me be the first one to tell you that God loves you. And I know you don't know me and I don't, you don't, I don't know you, but the way I know God loves you is because he sent his son Jesus to die. And then I go into the gospel. If somebody comes back to me and say, yeah, my mom, I've had a few people say, yeah, my mom told me that today. Thank God for a godly mom. Amen. Um, but so if they do that, then I'll say, well, I want to be the second person to tell you. So that's kind of the way I do that. Uh, one other one, um, I've got a friend, Toby DeHay, that's up at, that works for the Kentucky Baptist Convention in evangelism. He likes going up to people and just asking them, hey, have you heard any good news today? And uh, that's a good way, you know, mostly, most of the time people hear bad news. And so uh, if they have, you listen to their good news and say, well, I've got some more good news for you. So those are just some really easy ways to turn conversations toward the gospel. Dr. Queen, I heard you tell a story one time about when you're on an elevator with a, uh, a postal uh, a, a mailman. You want to share that story? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I was going to the hospital to visit my pastor who had just, just had a stroke. He preached in chapel at Southwestern and had a stroke right in the middle of it. And so I didn't go there to share the gospel. I went there to minister my pastor. And I got on uh, the elevator with one of my preaching buddies, one, one of my pastor ministry buddies who taught at the seminary. We were both part of the same church. The elevator was getting ready to close. And uh, the lady said, please stop the elevator. So I stopped it. She came in. And all of a sudden, in that moment, God impressed upon me, share the gospel with her. 
she, I, I thought, well, how in the world am I going to get to that? And she had a United States Postal Service uniform on. She was delivering mail. So I just said, hey, um, you work for the United States Postal Service. You deliver messages to people, right? She said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, I've got a message from you from God. And uh, all of a sudden, my buddy said, that's the cheesiest gospel con- uh, conversation starter I've ever heard. And I said, well, at least I did it, you know. Uh, but, but that was just a way that I just kind of on the top of my mind, just try to find an inroads to share the gospel with her. Yeah, I think what that shows is that, you know, it's so often, I don't know about you, but for me, uh, God will say, share the gospel. And for me, the number one thing is I would, I don't have time right now. Uh, I'm on my way. Mm-hmm. This person, they look busy. I don't have time. I'm busy, all this type of stuff. And, and usually if you talk to yourself long enough about it, um, the opportunity slips away. And then we can creatively say, oh, I didn't have time. It didn't, you know, I didn't have the opportunity. But taking those opportunities, yeah, yeah, it might be cheesy to to do certain things, but at least you're sharing the gospel. You know, whatever it takes to be able, because you have no idea what that person's, the rest of their day holds. You have no idea if this is the last opportunity for this person to hear the gospel. And so whatever we can, even if we don't have time for a full conversation. So I'd ask the two of you this. How much time do you have in order, if you're, if you're going to talk to somebody and God says share the gospel or you feel like you should do it, do you really need a lot of time? How much time do you actually need in order to, to plant that seed and to uh, have that conversation? Pastor Steve? Well, I've made a commitment that anybody that comes to my house for whatever reason, to deliver a pizza, to paint, to do whatever. Like I had my garage door broke a few weeks ago and I had the guys come to fix it. And so I keep gospel tracks with me. And uh, what I do a lot of times when I'm on an elevator or something like that, and we may not have as much time, I'll just hand this to them. Or if I'm going through a drive through window and there's 55 cars behind me, and I know this person doesn't have a lot of time to talk, I'll just hand them this gospel track and say, may I share something? I always ask them, may I? You know, may I share something with you? Would you please take this? I wrote this about Jesus Christ. He changed my life when I was 18, and uh, I'm 63 now. It's been 45 years. I've been walking with the Lord, and I know Jesus, and I love him, and I'd just like you to have this. And so I'll hand that to them. And you can hand this out whether you wrote it or not. It's fine. You just mm-hmm. say, this is something we share at our church, and I'd like you to have this. It's about Jesus Christ, and I hope you enjoy it. I've never had anybody turn down a gospel track. But uh, when you hear, let me, let me just say this about the Holy Spirit. Uh, when he prompted uh, Matt to share the gospel with that person, he had already touched that person's heart. God works on both ends all the time. That's right. So you can be assured that if God has prompted you to share the gospel, that's because God is prompting them to receive the gospel. Now, they may reject it right then, but somewhere down the road, you have no idea, just your loving boldness, just sharing them, sharing with them like he did on the, on the elevator, that person will never forget that. And it might be four or five years from now, they'll say, you know, I need to be saved. That, that God can use things like that. So just follow the Lord on that. As far as how long it takes me to share the gospel, I can do it in a minute. I can do it. Y'all know I can do it a long time in a sermon. All right. So, <laughs> So I've, I've pretty much got my little deal down. That And uh, what I do is I follow, uh, I hope that you'll pick up one of these little Share Jesus um, outlines. I gave my mother this outline 
a long, long time ago, decades ago, and she led a man that was on his deathbed, a butler for one of the ladies she cleaned. My mother cleaned this lady's house. She was a very wealthy, the, my mother was not a wealthy woman, but the lady was. And she had a butler that was dying of throat cancer. And my mother led that guy to the Lord on his deathbed using this. She just read this to him. <laughs> and uh, he prayed to receive Christ. So get get this before you leave. Uh, and and uh, that's kind of what I share. But I'll be glad to tell you later on. Uh, one quick story. I doubt Brother Steve even remembers this, but we were in Nashville when he was president of the convention for a, a meeting, and we got done with the meetings, and we got back to our hotel, and turns out that was the week that Tractor Supply Company was having their annual meeting, and they were staying in the same hotel as us. So there was probably like 400 people in the lobby waiting to go up the elevator. Uh, and so we were waiting, and obviously this wasn't his first rodeo because he goes to the desk and talks to somebody and gets us on the freight elevator in the back. Uh, kind of the, the secret thing. So we go straight up and we, we ride up actually with a, with a hotel staff person. It was a, uh, I think a housekeeping person and we got off and we started walking and then I, I, he's gone. I look back and he runs back to the hotel. He stops it or the elevator. He stops it from closing and simply said, Hey, I'm sorry. I, a quick question for you. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? And the person lit up and said, absolutely. I do. And it was just, it was just like that. Uh, and what that demonstrated for me is this doesn't have to be complicated. This doesn't have to no. be a sit-down conversation where we have to build up and talk about the weather and talk about all this stuff for for all this time. If we can just be faithful to share little little things. Now, obviously, if we have the opportunity to fully share the gospel and to call to repentance, then that's the goal. But when we get the opportunity to, those little nuggets that we can drop, those little questions that we can ask, those little encouragements that we have to get people even thinking about God, uh, when God prompts us to do it, are so valuable for us. Anything's better than nothing. Exactly. That's right. So uh, moving on here. So uh, Dr. Queen, uh, people have a lot of fears when it comes to, to evangelism. We talked some about, you know, fear of rejection. What if I mess up? What if somebody asks me a question I can't answer? You know, there, there are so many things, and the enemy throws those fiery darts at our minds. The, the exact same time the Lord prompts us to share the gospel, all those doubts come into our mind at the same time. So, so how do you deal with uh, doubts and, and frustration and overcoming fears when it comes to evangelism? Yeah, I think um, the, the way to do that is really kind of a, a, a mind game, as it were. You know, a lot of people will say, uh, we've talked about rejection, how to overcome rejection. Um, and, and really, you overcome rejection by realizing they've already rejected. Um, if somebody's uh, afraid of failing, you know, they, they don't feel like they've been certified. They've not been to seminary. They don't know how to share the gospel. Well, failure, uh, the only failure in evangelism is a failure to evangelize. Success in evangelism, as Pastor Steve said a moment ago, is actually evangelizing. And so if you, if you think, well, I just don't know what to say and I'm afraid I'm going to fail. The good news is, is if you know enough of the gospel to be saved by it, then you know enough of the gospel to share it. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. He said, I delivered to you as of first importance that which I also received. In other words, he shared with them what he had received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and raised on the third day. So when it comes to failure, um, if you're really afraid of failing in evangelism, then you better, uh, you, you better, not, uh, you better start doing it because you're already a fail failure in it, as it were, by not doing it, you know. Um, so, so by doing it, you're not failing. You know, some people are afraid, well, I don't know what to expect. Well, you have to kind of go into it and say, uh, you'll never know the unknown until you make it known, until you do it, you know. 
Some of you may be afraid of a past bad experience. You were there in a situation you just had a bad past experience. Well, um, think of it like riding a bike. You know, you may have not ridden a bike the first time. You fell off, but you learned from that past mistake. And so just because you had a bad experience in the past doesn't mean you're going to have one in the future. Uh, one last, there's several, one more. Uh, you know, maybe you're afraid of being a fanatic. You know, uh, all, what are people going to think about it? Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but a fanatic is just someone who loves Jesus just a little bit more than you do. And uh, so that's not a bad thing to be known as a fanatic. So I think a lot of the ways to overcome fear, because they're all in our mind, is to is to just try to go into our mind and say, okay, what is what is really at the heart of this question and how how can I overcome it? And I think those are just a few ways to do that. You know, the uh, the Bible says that when uh when we're brought before the courts, when we're brought before people and we're questioned, the Bible says that don't worry about what you're going to say because in that moment, the Holy Spirit will deliver to you the words that you are to say. That's right. And, and so often, I think we, we feel like we have to get all those answers before, but I've seen time and time again that until we take that first step, as soon as we take that first step, the Lord gives us the next one and shows us where to go. And so often when we feel like, uh, I, don't know, I don't know how this is going to end, uh, you have all these fears, just taking that first step, just starting the conversation. I was, uh, I was in Oklahoma City a couple couple months ago. I had an Uber driver. And one thing I try to do two times, I always try to share the gospel. One is with an Uber driver and two with whoever God places me next to on an airplane. Um, mm-hmm. I, I never try to sit next to somebody on a plane. I, I figured that God knew who's going to sit in that seat next to me. Uh, and so that he could easily you know, set up that opportunity. And so for me, though, it's so hard to, to turn that corner sometimes. I, I can talk about anything. I can talk about Whataburger coming to Memphis and that there's going to be <laughs> one right here by the Chick-fil-A on Germantown Parkway, and one's going to be in Arlington on Airline Road by Milton Wilson. I can tell you all those details. But when it comes to sharing the most important thing that I could possibly share, we're so fearful. Uh, but what I've seen time and time again, and it's true what the Scriptures say, in those moments when we're obedient, when we take that step, the Lord tells us what we should do. Probably one of the best soul winners I know is Bill Street. Bill, would you come up here just a second and join with us? Um, Bill is over discipleship and evangelism here at Bellevue and prayer. He just needs another job, doesn't he? He just needs a little bit more to do. But uh, Bill and I have been friends for over 30 years, and I don't know of a better soul winner than him. Uh, Step up here just a second and just share with them how to break through the timidity uh, yeah, we we're getting a little older, aren't we, Bill? I, I know I would I would have come to the stairs over here, but anyway, uh, just get right here so Matt can see you too. Pull over just a little bit, and just tell him a little bit about uh, you know he sh- we've we've been together in so many places, but he's always sharing the gospel. Just where did you get that? And and, and just very quickly do that, Bill, as quickly as possible. When I was saved, I was saved at Broadway Baptist Church under the ministry of uh, Brother Bobby Moore. And just from a, a young age uh, or first days as a Christian, it just encouraged us to get out and to share Christ. So I saw that as the normal Christian life. And I didn't know what I was doing, uh, but I knew how I'd gotten saved. And so I was able, to, as we went out on visitation, to share that with people and then just more and more, the more like anything, the more that you do it, uh, the more comfortable you get with it. Now, when it comes to doing things with a computer, uh, needless to say, Steve and I would look at it and go, 
what do we do? So we would look at Noah, who's been doing this a lot longer than we have and know, it knows it much better and is extremely comfortable with it. But the only way that you begin to get comfortable is by doing it. And then you find out, as Noah said a while ago, that when you open your mouth uh, and and begin to share something about the Lord when you want to, then God gives you the words and you just find yourself going, Lord, I, I didn't have a clue where I was going with that conversation, uh, but, but you, you give wisdom and you give words and then you stand back amazed at what God has done. And God kind of lit that for you while you were a student in seminary, right? He did. He did under uh, Dr. Dr. Allison, just saying, if you love the Lord, and as Steve has said, he didn't say it exactly the way Steve did, uh, but if you love somebody, you you want to tell other people about them. Uh, so it's just making that, that saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this, and uh, purposing in your heart, and then taking those steps and saying the first words and and God brings other things to mind. And then before you know it, you're very comfortable talking with somebody and they're talking about their child or work or whatever. And you see a way to, to, to springboard into a gospel conversation. And I've seen him do that literally dozens, if not hundreds of times. And we will have some training here at, in evangelism at Bellevue. If you want to know more about that, just call the church, talk to Bill Street. Let's thank the Lord for him and appreciate his ministry so much. Amen. Okay. Okay, good. All right. So, Brother Steve, you know, as we talk about, you know, hesitations and that moment of decision when I'm going to share the gospel, what goes on in your mind in those moments? How do you overcome those hesitations? Well, I just I still think, you know, the one of the best things to do is to see people not as black and white. Uh, a color, skin color, not as rich or poor, not as Republicans or but as lost or saved. And if they're lost, they're going to hell. And and I know that that you say, well, I, I don't think that should be a motivation. I think it should be a great motivation. Do you know who talked more about hell than anybody in the Bible? Jesus. Jesus taught more about hell than anybody else because he knew what hell was like. He knew that hell is real. And we don't want to just get saved just to miss hell. But that's not a bad motive, okay? <laughs> I just want to tell you, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go to hell, and I don't want other people to go to hell. I don't want my children to go to hell. I don't want my grandchildren to go to hell. I pray for my grandkids every day that the ones that aren't, aren't saved yet will be saved. I pray for other people to be saved as well. So, you know, I, I just I think there's, there's no bad way to, to share it. But what goes through my mind is these people are going to spend a million years from today, they're going to be in heaven or hell, so what does it matter if maybe they, if I get a little bit embarrassed? What does it matter if I'm not a little comfortable? You know what? I think we're way too concerned about comfort in America anyway. We think about comfort all the time. God is not really that interested in our comfort zone. He's interested in our conforming to the image of his son, Jesus. And Jesus talked with people just all the time. The lady at the well, all the, he just talked with people about salvation all the time so that if you want to be like jesus talk to people about him you, you know for me the and this is what i'm hearing from the two of these guys and from bill as well the the easiest time just very honestly the two easiest times for me to share the gospel is when i'm sitting in an uber or i'm sitting on an airplane and it's because i have already set in my mind that i'm going to share the gospel 
when I get in those situations, I've already made my decision. I go to the airport. I'm, I'm leaving this coming Sunday morning. I know that whoever I sit next to, I'm going to share the gospel with that person. Uh, and so for me, it's really a decision that I have to make today. I have to make right now, am I going to share the gospel this next time? If I wait to try to make that decision the next time the Lord prompts me, I'm, I guarantee you I'm going to make the wrong choice. I'm going to be disobedient. But if right now, if I purpose in my own heart, if I say I am going to share the gospel, um, to me, that, that's the easiest time is when I've already made the decision before I'm in the situation. Uh, Dr. Queen, as we talk about hesitations and, and whatnot, you know, one thing I think a lot of people are, uh, are hesitant to share the gospel, what, uh, one fear that a lot of people I believe have is, what if they ask me a question that I can't answer? What if they trip me up? What if I do not know how to answer what they're going to say? What would you say to that? Yeah, so I would say, to, to and that is a very real fear, fear that all of us have. Um, but, but just ask yourself a question. Do you like a know-it-all? <laughs> I don't. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I've only had one person ever say, yes, I do. And I said, are you a know-it-all? And she said, yes, I, was, I mean, it was a student I had. Um, but people don't like know-it-all. So here's the good news about that. If you're a know-it-all, you're probably not going to have a long conversation with somebody anyway. Um, and there is nothing at all wrong. And I've done it. I, you know, I'm a seminary professor, just like Dr. Gaines. I've got a PhD in evangelism. I've been asked questions before that I didn't know the answer to. And you know what? There's no shame. I've never felt ashamed of saying, I don't know the answer to that question. But I'd love to talk to you about it in the future. I'd love to research it and maybe get back together with you so that I can do it again. There's no shame in that. Um, and so, so I think if, if you don't know the answer to the question, just tell them that you'll, uh, you'll research on it and hopefully you'll get another opportunity to share the gospel with them whenever you get the answer to the question. These, these people hear about my grandchildren all the time. I, my three-year-old grandchildren ask me questions I don't know. All right. So that, but that doesn't make them smarter than me. And just because somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to doesn't mean that they're more intelligent than you. It's just mean they ask you something you don't know about. And I think what you do is you stay on point. Because I think that is the enemy trying to derail the conversation, the gospel conversation. What you, what you can say is something like uh, Matt said, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I'll try to get back with you. But what I would like to, and then you pivot and you go right back to That's sharing right. the gospel. You don't let them, Perfect. You don't let them uh, give you a question and that you don't know the answer to it. You don't let that ruin the whole gospel conversation. You get back on point as quickly as possible and you're always polite. And uh, if they, if, if, if I'm telling you, that's the way to do it. Just say, I don't know. I'll get back with you. But uh, let's talk about what I was talking about. Uh, do you know for certain that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven? Do you know for certain if you were to live that you'd really live? Has anybody ever talked to you about what Jesus Christ came to do on this earth and what he did to give us eternal life? I, I can tell you this. When I'm in a hurry, I start off with a gospel track and I'll just see, you know, how much time they've got. I'll hand them a gospel track. And then if they got a little bit more time, I've, I've got my testimony real quick I can share. And then after that, I can go into the gospel. So That's great. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the table, and we're going to spend about five or six minutes. I want you to talk about this. You know, If we are really going to share the gospel, if we're really going to be obedient to that call, I believe the Lord has already placed those people in your path to which he wants to share the gospel. So here's the question I want you guys to talk about. Who has God already placed in your life that needs to hear the gospel? I want you to think about your family, your, your neighborhood, your work. Who is it that is already in your path, already in your life,
that needs to hear the gospel that you could share the gospel with. We'll talk about that for about five minutes and we'll come back. All right, guys, we'll come back one more time and have a few more conversations uh, with the two of these guys about, about sharing the gospel. And what I want us to do is I want us to take a few minutes and just talk very practically. We, we decide, we, we understand the importance of sharing the gospel. We know that we're supposed to do it. We're, we, we've decided, but the question is, what do I actually say? You know, Dr. Queen said a little, little while ago that if you know enough of the gospel to have been saved by the gospel, then you already know enough about the gospel to share the gospel. And what we're going to do is, um, uh, and, and I want to show the diversity of the different ways that you can share the gospel. So I have a, a method, uh, a, uh, a tool that I like to use. Uh, Dr. Queen, I know, uses several based on the, the situation. Uh, and we have Brother Steve who, who does it as well. And, and these may not be the only way that we share the gospel, but I want you to hear just different ways that people can share the gospel. There's obviously going to be certain elements to each of the ways we do it in terms of things that are common between them. Uh, but really, whatever the Lord opens up in whatever way he teaches you and shares, uh, gives you and makes you comfortable sharing the gospel, that's a, a great way to do it. You know, one thing I do, and, and Dr. James Merritt, uh, pastor in Georgia, uh, I heard him do this one time, and I honestly heard it one time, and I, and I got it in that moment because it was so simple and it made so much sense to me. And he talked about how, you know, God loves you, and, and we, we know that the Bible says that God loves you. In fact, the Bible says that God loves you with an everlasting love, but there's some bad news. And that's a key word there, bad news. The Bible says that even though God loves us, that we're sinners. The Bible says that for uh, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Have, and I, I often ask them, uh, I mean, would you say that's true in your life? Have you had a time in your life when you sinned? And everyone acknowledges it instantly. Nobody denies the fact, very few people would deny the fact that they've messed up, that they've done something wrong. So we talk about how there's bad news that that we've sinned and we're separated from God, even though he loves us. And if that's not bad enough, there's even worse news. And that worse news is that the wages of our sin is death. The Bible says that God loves us, but we've sinned and he's holy and he has to punish sin. And so what we see there is that, yes, that God loves us, but there's bad news. We're sinners. There's even worse news because we're sinners, we're eternally separated from God. But we're so grateful that it doesn't end on bad news and the worst news that the Bible gives us good news. The Bible mm -hmm. says that God loves us too much to leave us in a state that was separated from him. So what did he do? He, God sent his son, Jesus, to earth to die for our sins and to pay the penalty for your sin. So the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. Yes, but Jesus came born of a virgin. And because of that, he had no sin in his life. And Jesus lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for your sin. Jesus died not because of anything that he had done on his own, but he died as a replacement for you. And that's the good news is that Jesus has paid your penalty. So you have the bad news that we're sinners, the worst news that we're separated from God. You have good news that Jesus has paid that penalty. Jesus has paid your debt. And we have the best news. It's free. The Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. It goes on to say that the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Jesus, yes, he died on the cross and he, he was buried. And he rose again from the dead. And the Bible says that he now offers you eternal life. But you have to come take it. Just like you would receive any gift when, when the, Bible, the Bible teaches us that when Jesus offers us eternal life, we have to receive it. We have to receive it into our own life. And that is uh, the outline that I typically use when I share the gospel. There's bad news, 
that we're sinners. There's worse news that we're separated from God because of it. There's good news that Jesus paid the debt for us. And the best news of all, it's free. And all you got to do is take it. And now sometimes I do use those words, bad news, worse news, good news, best news. I don't always do it, but that's, that's how I keep it straight in my mind. That's how I know that next step that I need to take. I keep that out, outline in my mind and it helps me be able to take those next steps when I'm sharing the gospel. Dr. Queen, what do you typically do? Yeah, um, and before I do this, let me just encourage you, you men, um, uh, since all of y'all are there, um, I want you to know that the, the single most important influence in my life was my dad. And uh, I want you to know, uh, brothers, uh, if you have children or grandchildren, um, if you, if you wish, boy, I wish I could have got started earlier on this. Uh, there's no better time than now. And, and take your children or your grandchildren along with you because it will make an impact in them. I'm still doing it. I did it when I was eight years old, one year after I got saved, and I'm still doing it at the age of 46. So I just want to exhort you guys in that. Um, one way to share the gospel maybe that would be uh, easy for you as well is to do it through a testimony. Uh, let me just, I, I want to show you, but let me just help you if you're taking notes. You need to talk about what your life was before Christ. Then you need to talk about how you accepted Christ. That's the gospel. That's the most important part of your testimony. And then your life after Christ. So here's how mine goes. Um, whenever I grew up, I grew up in church. I never stole. Uh, I mean, I never killed anybody. I never robbed a bank. I didn't do anything bad like that, but I still was a sinner. I stole a little matchbox car from preschool. I disobeyed my parents. I fought with my brothers. And um, I, I really didn't know that there was anything wrong with me until one night uh, I heard the message that God loved me in spite of my sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it also says that God demonstrated, he proved his love to us. And that while we were sinners, while I stole cars, uh, little matchbox cars, not big ones, uh, while I disobeyed my parents, when I argued with my brothers, God demonstrates love to us in that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. I got overwhelmed by that truth and realized that I was not right with God. And uh, my pastor told me that uh, in order to receive forgiveness from God, that I had to, uh, the Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And in that moment, I realized I was a sinner and uh, he led me uh, to, uh, um, to ask forgiveness for my sins. And I pledged faith in him. Through, uh, uh, being the Lord of, uh, of of all creation, and I thank Him for what He did in my life. You know, since then I, I'm glad to t I, I'm here to tell you today. I've, you know, I'm you're, I'm safe around your children and their matchbox cars. I don't do that. I gave that up whenever I accepted Jesus. But I'm still not a perfect man. But I'm not the man I was. Um, I, I I now have a relationship with God where I meet with Him each and every day. I love to tell about Him. And um, uh, I, love, I love to tell other people about him. And so he's made the difference in my life. And is that ever a change? Uh, have you ever had that kind of change take place in your life? And then if they uh, say, yes, I say, tell me about that. If they say no, then I go through um, um, how to accept Christ, which I think Pastor Steve's going to do. Well, I do exactly what you did. I mean, I, I think the best way to, if you don't know somebody, People like a story, okay? And you can just share the gospel as you're telling the story. I do the same thing. If, if I didn't know you and I was going to witness to you, I would just say, hi, I, Mike, uh, let, me just, let me just tell you, 
what happened to me, I was playing football at a very small college called UT Martin, and uh, I just got away from the Lord. I was upset with the Lord because I didn't play at a larger school. But I went to the Fellowship of Christian Athlete meetings, and they started sharing with me that God loved me. And I wondered, could God really love me? I mean, all the things I'd done and everything. He said he loved me with an everlasting love and that he, he knows me, cares for me, created me, but that I had a problem, and my problem was a big problem. I'm a sinner, which means I've broken the laws of God. And there's a penalty for that. They told me that uh, the, the, the punishment or the wages, the debt there for my sin, uh, the, the wages of sin is death, separation from God. And I started thinking, man, I, I don't want to be separated from God. And, and they said, but the good news is that Jesus, God gave us Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He was born of a virgin, free from the sinful nature. He was tempted and always like we are, but he never once uh, gave in to temptation. And so he's the only sinless person ever to live. But he went to the cross not to die for his sins. He didn't have any but he died as an atoning sacrifice for my sin. That's what they told me. And that he was buried, but God raised him from the dead. And if I would repent, if I would just turn from my sin and ask God to forgive me for my sins, and if I would believe, if I would believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and paid the debt for me, and that he rose from the dead to give me eternal life, and if I would receive him and call upon his name, that the moment I called upon the name of the Lord, he would save me. That's what those guys told me back 45 years ago. And it's, it changed my life. I mean, I, I, I got down on my, my knees and I prayed to receive Christ. And, uh, you know, I can't say that I had like electricity go through me, but I'm telling you, uh, one of the things that I stopped doing was cussing. I, 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 I just had a foul mouth. And uh, when I, the next day, I was getting my ankle tape and I realized I hadn't said a cuss word all day long. And it, it really shocked me. And I told the guy that was taping my ankle, the, the trainer, I said, I hadn't said a cuss word all day long. He looked at me like I was crazy, you know, but I knew what I was saying. I mean, I, I, it was just totally different. And uh, so that's, that's what, how I share my testimony. And then from there, you can go, has anything like that ever happened to you? Have, have, have you ever had any kind of experience like that? And it, you, it's just Katie bar the door. You know, most of the people, though, if you were just to share that stuff with them and not set it in a story, they might, might not be as receptive but I, I, I rarely have anybody, you know, say no to listening to my testimony. And I, that's a gospel sharing testimony. You, you want to talk about, Pastor, about uh, what it looks like. Let's say you get to the point where somebody says, hey, you know, this is something I want. How do you lead them to Christ in that moment? Well, let me just, let me, you know, I, I'll tell you how I feel about this. In a room this size, uh, I, there might be somebody here that doesn't know that they're saved. So let me just let me just share with you, okay? I'm gonna stand up, Matt. I'll see you in just a minute, okay? All right, great. All right. Um, I want you to understand that God does love you. He knows you. He cares about you, and He knows your name. He knew you when you were in your mother's womb. The, the psalmist said, "But we really do have a problem. It's more than a problem. We've got a curse on us called sin. We have all disobeyed God. That's all sin is." is disobeying God, and we've all done it. You've done it. I've disobeyed God. We all have. And there's a penalty for that. It's called death. Not just physical death, although that is where physical death came from, but spiritual death means separation from God. Think about what I just said. Hell is eternal separation, 
But right now, if you don't know the Lord, you are separated from God because of your sin. But the beautiful thing is that God did not just leave you drowning in your sin. God came after you. That's the difference between Christianity and all these other religions out here. All these religions are trying to tell you how to do good things so you can get back to God. I want to say this to you. You'll never do enough good to get back to God. God, you can't get to God unless God comes after you. And God came after you and his son, Jesus Christ. And so he's holding out his hand and you are sinking in the miry clay right now. Okay. You know it. You know, you can't get your life together. You know that you can't uh, stop cussing. You know, you can't stop doing this. Can't stop looking at pornography or whatever, whatever it might be. You can't stop your anger. You can't stop the fear and all that stuff. And you say, what's wrong with me? But what's wrong with you is what's wrong with all of us until we receive Christ. You need a Savior. You're a sinner who is broken, and you need to be fixed. And the only one that can fix you is Jesus Christ. And so he offers you eternal life, but you've got to receive it. And the way you receive it is what I've already said, repenting. Here's repentance. I'm going my, my way, doing my thing, but I do an about face with the help of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean I'll never sin again, but it does mean I'm, I'm sick of that. I'm sick of living for myself. I'm sick of being selfish. I'm going to start living for the Lord. And so I'm start, instead of walking from Jesus, I'm walking with Jesus toward the Father, okay? So that's repentance. You've got to repent. The Bible says if you don't repent, it says it twice in Luke 13, it says you go to hell, okay? <laughs> twice it says that. Jesus said that. And so you've got to repent. Then you've got to believe. You've got to believe not just in whatever. I, I believe. No, no. It's not that you just believe. You believe in Jesus Christ, that what he did is sufficient to pay your penalty. When he died on that cross, that's what you needed. Until he said it is finished, paid in full, that's what I've got on my little wristband here. Tetelestai paid in full. He paid your sin debt. Buddha didn't pay your sin debt. Muhammad didn't pay your, your sin debt. Jesus is the only one that paid your sin debt. He's the only sinless person ever to live, and he was the God-man, but he lived a sinless life, so he could pay your debt. And then he died, and he was buried, but God rose, he raised him from the dead, and he is alive. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that he died for you and that he rose from you. So you've got to repent. And you got to believe, and then you got to receive. You got to open up, just like when I, 41 years ago, was at a, a, a church here in Memphis, Tennessee, and my wife said her vows to me. I said my vows to her. I opened my life up to her, and she became my wife when I asked her into my life, and when she asked me in her life through our vows. That's what receiving Christ is. You're praying, you're calling upon the name of the Lord, and you literally have to open up. God won't force himself on you. You have to open up and say, come into my life and save me, Lord Jesus. So let's just bow right now, please, would you? Do it with, and, and you say, Brother Steve, this is a men's Bible study on Wednesday night. I get it. I get it. I've seen people get saved in situations like this. And maybe you don't know the Lord. Or maybe you're not sure if you know the Lord. Man, if, you, if you're going to be sure about anything, be sure about your relationship with Jesus. If you'd like to receive him right now, I'd like to lead you just like I would lead somebody in their wedding vows, and you can receive Christ right now. So just pray something like this. And if you don't want to mouth the exact words, that's fine, but you're talking to the Lord. You're not just gibberish. No, you're, you're talking to the Lord right now. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. I am a sinner. 
I cannot save myself. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I repent. Help me, Lord, repent right now. I turn from my sin. I turn to you. And I don't just repent. I believe. With all of my heart, I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe you paid my sin debt. And I believe they buried you, but you rose from the dead. I believe that. You did that to give me salvation. So I repent, and I believe. And right now, I receive you. I call upon your name. Save me right now, Lord Jesus Christ. Wash me and cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit. And help me to live for you for the rest of my life. And when I die, take me to heaven. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. If you pray to receive Christ, Tell somebody before you leave here. Tell one of us. Tell somebody that you gave your heart to Christ. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you've been redeemed tonight, tell somebody. And just so they can pray with you and affirm you, okay? Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up tonight. Thank you guys for being here. I, I really do pray that the Lord spoke something into your heart tonight and challenge you to be a more faithful witness of the gospel. Like we talked about in the beginning of 1 Peter, the, the Old Testament saints long to see the day, and the angels today long to look at it. And we today have the unique opportunity to be messengers of the gospel, and I pray that we'll, we'll take it seriously. I want to let you know about a few resources we have for you in the back of the room. Free resources. So we have uh, a gospel track back there. This, it says right here, you can know the answer. Everything that we talked about tonight in terms of the gospel presentation it walks through it right here. They're right here in the back on this table right here where Derek and, and those guys are standing. There's enough for everybody to grab one of these. So please do not leave here tonight without grabbing one of these. Carry it with you and ask the Lord, who do you want me to give this to? And when he tells you to give to somebody, do it. There's also a, a share Jesus outline, the little white card back there. Uh, Derek was telling me the other day that he saw a, a lady had gotten one of these from the uh, been in the worship center. And just a couple weeks ago, he saw her in uh, Creation Station at our playground looking at it and reading it to a lady that she was talking to and led her to Christ in the lobby of our, of our church, literally reading off of this card. The same exact example that Brother Steve gave of his mom and that, and that's, that testimony. So even if you're not comfortable by memory walking through the gospel, there's no shame in looking at this and reading it. And this is a great opportunity to keep with you and also to review. There's some great uh, scripture verses on here, some great questions that you can ask in order to get to the gospel. Two other quick resources. Uh, Dr. Queen uh, wrote a book called Everyday Evangelism. So this was book one, and he, you know, by the end of... Ex excellent book. Excellent. Uh, so th this is a, a very, very short, very quick read, very practical read about how you can share the gospel uh, in, a, in a very practical way, in a very real way, each and every day. These, there's about uh, 25 of these on the table in the back. So if you say that you would read this book, it is absolutely free to you tonight. The church is going to absolutely cover it. Uh, so if, if this is something that you think that you're going to read, please go back there and take it. Also in the back, we have Brother Steve's book, Share Jesus Like It Matters. This A lot of the stuff we talked through tonight can be found in this book. It's a great resource 
for walking through a lot of the questions that we had and the call that we have to share Jesus like it matters because it does. So all those resources are there in the back. Please go and, uh, and pick it up. Absolutely free to you tonight. Um, and we really want to see you use these resources to help share the gospel. Yeah, and if any of these resources that we run out of, uh, I, the only one that we might run out of would be Dr. Queen's book. But if we run out, uh, come back next week and we'll have some extra that you can take as well. Uh, so we, we want to get these resources in your hands. Um, we are going to uh, send it back to the table. Uh, and I know we're, we're out of time. So if somebody at your table could pray us out uh, and then we will see you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for being here.